I always tell people my cancer in some ways was really kind of a blessing um, because I just, I just, I tackle life a lot differently now. Welcome to the What Up Doc University podcast, your number one resource for total body wellness. Here's your host, Dr. Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the What Up Doc University podcast. This is Dr. Mike. Coming back with another great episode, and today we're going to do another one of those uh, stories for you guys, and like like we did before, we had um, a story, a, a journey back to health, and I like to do these journeys back to health to to give you guys kind of like a perspective of if you're going through some health challenges or you're a loved one, friend going through a health challenge, to see that there is some type of light at the end of the tunnel and give you guys some hope and maybe you know maybe you guys can relate to this and maybe you guys can take some of the information that will be shared in this episode for you know for, for your own health benefit or for the benefit of another and today we have we have a special guest um Kim is is a uh, is a trooper uh you know i i i've seen her story from from when she was uh, diagnosed and going through her her uh, her treatments and and all of that, and I won't give away too much of that. I'll let her t- talk about that. But I wanted to bring her on just to just to show you guys um, uh, that getting your health back is possible. You know, so I won't even I, I won't go further into that. I'll let her do all all the all the sharing with that. So I'd like to welcome Kim. Kim, how are you doing today? Hi, Dr. Mike. I'm doing great. <laughs> so, Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, thank you for taking your time out to share with us. Um, so let's start here. Um, I, I, I want you to start from the moment that you got your diagnosis. Take us back to that point where, and the mindset, you got the diagnosis, and what were you feeling then? Right. So I was 41 at the time, um, and I had actually, I'd gone into the the emergency room one night because I had, um, I was just having some abdominal pain, and they did a CT scan and found a tumor uh, that was the size of a basketball um, in my, uh, on my ovaries. Why? And so at that time they weren't certain that it was cancer. In fact, they thought it was a fibroid because on the CT scan, it looked, um, very fluidous. It was, it was, it was fluid that they could tell. So I, um, obviously had to go in to have surgery to have it removed and they wouldn't be able to know if it was cancer until after the surgery. So, um, they did indeed go in and remove what they thought was going to be a fibroid and it turned out to be, um, stage three ovarian cancer. Um, and so I woke up from surgery um, being told you have stage three ovarian cancer. And by the way, we had to do a complete uh, hysterectomy. So they uh, removed my entire reproductive system, um, including my omentum, which is, I guess, this lining that goes around my abdomen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they kind of clean you out, kind of carve you out like a pumpkin because they uh, ovarian cancer has such a high reoccurrence rate; they don't want it to come back and attach to anything else. So they they took it all. Um, so when I woke up to that news, um, it was it was incredibly jarring. One because I'm 
41, I'd never had children. Um, so I knew in that moment I was never going to have children. Um, I am my, I am an actress and a director and a producer. So I, I also um, knew I was going to have to go through some chemotherapy because it was cancer we were dealing with. So I knew I was going to lose my hair. Um, I knew I was going to be thrust into menopause instantly. Um, so it was a lot to take on at once. <laughs> so were you, were you having any type of symptoms prior? Yeah. So I, the symptom that I, I noticed the most was that I was having, I was bloated. It was, I was, I was in really good shape. I was, um, I was thin, but my abdomen, it, it looked kind of like I was pregnant and uh, I, okay. I, I kept ignoring it really. And I didn't go in and have it looked at yeah, yeah. until, like I said, I, I started to have pain and the pain was because this, um, uh, the, the tumor was pushing on my, all my other organs, all my other organs were being pushed out of the way because this thing was growing. And, um, what was so what is most interesting, I guess, about what they found was that, um, and what we're probably going to talk about a little bit, is that because I had made a decision um, shortly before I found the tumor to start taking some different measures in my health and mm -hmm. wellness, as far as I started pursuing an alkaline diet, um, just d doing more of a whole food diet, um, trying to take better care of myself. So when they found the tumor, the cancer itself was actually not that big, but there was this giant bag of fluid that had surrounded it. So that's what was so large. And that's what they were seeing on the CT scan. And I had done so much research on alkalinity. And one of the things that I had found was that cancer cells tend not to thrive when you have an alkaline environment and a pH, when your body is, your pH is balanced and you have an alkaline environment in your body. So I, I tend to feel like those choices I made um, probably saved my life because that cancer was completely trapped. It didn't get into my lymphatic system. It didn't get, um, it did, wasn't able to spread because for whatever reason, um, that ball of fluid had grown around it and kind of trapped it. So I, I feel like I had made some choices that maybe saved my life. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and, and Kim's talking about there, there's there's actually been studies that have shown that um, changes in in the extracellular fluid matrix that you can change the pH level and it will actually stop the metastasis of tumor growth. You know, there there have been studies, and I'll, I'll link to that actually in the show notes. And that was. I think I talked about that in in one of the um, podcast episodes where I where I talked about pH, um, but now, so you get this diagnosis. Yeah. It's obviously it, it's life altering, and you know you're sitting there. Uh, well, you've gone through the surgery. Um, you wake up from it. Now, wh what's going through your mind at this point? You know, are you worried or are, are you scared? What's going through your mind when, when I guess the doc is, is basically giving you your options? What's going through your mind at this point? Right. Well, I think the thing that hit me the most was I remember him, I remember him telling me that st statistically speaking, I had a 25% chance of being alive five years from that day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that, that wasn't fun to hear. Um, even though they had gotten the whole tumor out, they felt very good about everything. Sure. The statistically speaking, ovarian cancer, the mortality rate is like 74%. It's really high. Yeah. 
So because the reoccurrence is so common. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. I just remember um, it's kind of fight or flight kind of kicked in. I, I knew that those were not good odds, but nonetheless, there were, there were still odds. And so I just knew that I had to, um, to really make some changes, you know, for sure in, in how I was taking care of myself, but also just in how I was living life. I just, um, I always tell people my cancer in some ways was really kind of a blessing, um, because I just, I just, I tackle life a lot differently now. Mm. What, what were what were some of those changes that that went through went through your mind? Well, so one of the first things the doctor told me was they handed me um, some uh, they handed me some depression medication. They gave me a prescription for it. He said, "You're 41. You've never had kids. Now you're never gonna you're gonna lose your hair. The statistics aren't good." So yeah, that's kind of depressing. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, "Today's a bad day for you." So here's some, <laughs> here's some depression medication. Okay. So I, I and I took the prescription and I said. If, if I feel like I need it, I'll use it. But yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to see if I could do it on my own holistically. If I could just, um, by, by continuing to, um, eat, eat better and to implement some exercise as soon as I was recovered from the surgery. Did you uh, tell, did you tell them that? Did you tell I did. them? Oh, okay. I, and how was that received? Yeah. Well, at, at the time he was like, well, he's like, he's like, if that works for you, go ahead. He said, but you know, here's the prescription nonetheless. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so he wasn't. Um, they weren't real adamant about that. They they did also give me a huge. Um, when I started chemotherapy, they gave me a big um, a big thing of uh, Percocet. So I had eighty pills of Percocet, which is a pretty heavy narcotic for pain. Because when you go through chemo, you tend to get some pretty severe bone pain. Yes, yes. Um, and so I love telling people I have 78 of those pills left. There, was only, <laughs> there were only two times that the pain was so bad that I felt I needed the narcotic. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti pharmaceuticals. I think in some situations they're, they're great, but I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to manage so many of my symptoms just by what I ate by drinking more water and flushing my system, mm. uh, by sleep. Uh, I think we underestimate what sleep does. Yes. Really. I mean, I, my body needed to heal and fight. And so just by those things, I, I was really able to limit, um, the, the pharmaceuticals and the drugs that they gave me, um, during my whole chemo journey. Um, so those were big ones. And then the, the other thing that I love sharing with people is just that the doctors assured me that I would probably, because I was going into menopause and because they had sliced through my abdomen. Mm. So my once flat stomach was no more. Um, and they, they said, you know, just be ready. You'll probably gain 20 to 30 pounds because that's just menopause. Yeah. Um, and so I love telling people that I have put on about six pounds. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, you know what? I'll take six pounds any day yeah. over 20 to 30. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that has been because, you know, to a certain extent, your body just does change when you, you know, no longer have some of those hormones naturally. But, um, but just through diet and my exercise and nutrition, I have been able to really maintain exactly what I looked like before any of this happened and how I feel is 
So I feel better after cancer than I did before. <laughs> you know, uh, one thing I want to point out for our audience is, um, you, know, you know, what Kim is saying here, she's, she's talking about, you know, because there, there's so many people, and I want, I want to step back here. There's so many people that say, well, you know, I've been giving this life-altering diagnosis. Um, I'm either going to go one way or the other. There, and there's some people that turn and they say, I'll never, ever... Um, use any type of Western medical intervention, and then there's some that say, "Well, I'm I'm only going to use Western medical intervention," and and Kim's a prime example of finding that blend in between. It's knowing when to use the pharmaceuticals, knowing that the pharmaceuticals is there for emergent purposes, not necessarily a lifestyle. You know, you don't make a lifestyle out of Percocet. You don't make a lifestyle out of chemotherapy and radiation, but you use it to the extent to help your body because the body can't do what it needs to do. And so you're using these tools. And I know a lot of people are, they're going to be very adamant. They say, well, you never, ever, and you can't, the thing with the body is you can't ever play absolutes, you know? Um, so, you know, utilizing these things to just aid the body to the point that it can function better and then utilizing like what Kim's saying here is diet and lifestyle. Now, with with your diet and lifestyle, take us through. Like, uh, uh, we'll start with like what was your chemotherapy? Um, how many sessions did you do? And then what were you doing in between to kind of aid your body? Right. So uh, during the chemo, the, I had I was pretty fortunate because they removed all of the. Um, they were able to you know remove all of the cancer. Um, they did four rounds of chemotherapy. Okay. So it was more of a preventative thing. They wanted to make sure that, um, you know, no loose cells. Sure, sure. Free themselves during the surgery. So um, they actually had given me an option. They had said, they said, you know, if you don't want to do chemotherapy, you don't have to. We, we're pretty sure we got it all. Mm -hmm. But they, the doctor said, I, I recommend that we play better safe than sorry. So I did. Um during the chemo itself, you know, chemo is not fun for sure. Right. Um, it is, you, you deal with nausea. Um, you, especially the first couple days afterwards, um, what I had was they were about six hour infusions. So I go up to the hospital, they hook you up to a bunch of IV bags and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, it's basically poison. Um, it's poison that kills cancer but it's poison that kills everything else. Yeah, too. yeah. So the the thing they're doing with chemotherapy is they are with the pharmaceuticals. They are trying to find the balance between where they can get kill the cancer but not kill you. Yeah. Um, and so you really do. Um, you know, you're you're dealing with nausea. You're dealing with um, your sleep gets disrupted. You don't sleep very well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a steroid that they have to give you as well. Um, when you're going through chemotherapy um, for the first day or two um, after each um, infusion. So that keeps you awake. It's, um, it's, it's incredibly hard on your body. Um, and mine took, mine was every three weeks Okay. So that I had my infusions. Um, during those three weeks in between each infusion, I, I was just on a, kind of a mad dash to try to build my body back up so that it was strong enough to take another hit. Um, 
And I was really proud because my doctors, every time I'd come back, they'd do your blood work to make sure that you were, you know, basically strong enough to handle another, another round. Um, and they were always like, my gosh, they were like, your blood work, everything just bounced back just right away. And so they were like, whatever you're doing, little lady, keep it up. And so <laughs> I, uh, I was, I was pretty fortunate with that. I, with the exception of, you know, some pain, a little nausea, um, uh, fatigue, you know, I definitely had some fatigue, but, um, but nothing compared to what I saw a lot of other people on that ward. Um, cause you're up there with, gosh, there were probably 40 people up there all hooked up to machines, yeah, yeah. up to bags of, you know, pharmaceuticals and chemo. And, um, and I just remember a lot of them being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You look so good. And I was bouncing back so quickly. So, and I just remember thinking, gosh, it's, it's just so much simpler than we think it is. It really is. It's just um, the food that you're eating and it's the sleep that you're getting and it's the water that you're drinking. And um, it makes a much bigger difference than we give it credit for. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, we've come to this day and age where we look at science as being the, the science and, and technology as being the ruler of of our lives, you know, right. and, and we neglect what nature has put into place, you know. Yeah. And and I think that that's where I think that that's one of the really big things of what's leading us into this this state of where we are. You know, we see uh, bioengineered foods. We see all of these, um, you know, prepackaged foods and and sedentary lifestyles. All of this stuff is going against what nature has intended us to be, you know, and, uh, and it's no wonder why we're seeing such an, a rapid increase in all these chronic degenerative diseases. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, you sitting there taking the approach of, Hey, let's use what nature has given us so that we can have health sitting around these other people who aren't doing that. And, and you're, you're, you're walking example of, Hey, let's use nature's medicine cabinet for for my advantage now yeah. during during this time like what were, what were you doing like what, what were some of the the lifestyle changes that you made so i after each um chemo treatment um usually the first couple of days i wasn't able to be very active i was in bed um okay. just because you're you know you're, yeah you're done and out yeah you're it's it's bad you don't feel so good um, but usually after about four or five days after the chemo each time, I made sure I was walking. Um, I couldn't really run because you get neuropathy in your hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, a lot of your, um, your nerves get, it kills your nerves yeah. in your hands and feet. Um, and so I'd have to wait usually a few days before that would come back, but I'd make sure I was out walking. Um, and I was, making sure that I would was getting plenty of sleep. Um, so if I was up getting active, I would be up and active for three or four hours. And then I would go and lay down. Even if I wasn't tired, I mm. would make myself go and lay down because I just felt like my body needed me to be still to just, to, to just heal. Yeah. You know? Um, so I was, I was really good about naps, um, and water. I drank water like nobody's business because um, I remember my, uh, my doctor had said to me, he said, I don't want you sharing a bathroom because I had two roommates. He said, I don't want your roommates sharing, using your bathroom because in the first 
two or three days after each chemo treatment, he said my urine and, and just any fluids, like my glass that I would drink out of, yeah. he said it's toxic to them. Oh, man. I know. So he was like, so I was like, are you kidding me? They are infusing me with something that is toxic to everybody <laughs> else. I was like, how is this good? Yeah, um, yeah. So needless to say, I, I drank a ton of water. Okay. Uh, because although it was, um, the chemo was necessary, um, me flushing it out was my job. And so I, I drank a ton of water um, during my chemo. Um, and then I just, I, you know, I had a supplemental system that I used. So I was getting in lots of calcium, magnesium, potassium, again, really making sure that, um, that I was trying to keep a real alkaline diet, which was hard because you lose your appetite when you're going through chemo. Um, so I, I did a lot of smoothies, okay. a lot of protein shakes to keep up my energy. Um, I did a lot of greens. I did, um, a lot of wheatgrass shots as well. Mm, they okay. taste disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it was my way of getting my greens down because sometimes my appetite um, is hard to take food in sometimes. So, um, But I had to kind of force myself to, to feed my body, even if I wasn't hungry. Um, I, I really started to change my attitude from food being something that was a comfort and more of food being fuel. Mm, that's a huge one. Yeah, it really yeah. was. It was like I, I didn't want to, in the past, food was something that was a comfort to me. If I was depressed or if I was bored, it was food yeah. that I would fill that with. And so after my cancer journey, um, I really realized that food is fuel. And so I had to be really careful about what kind of fuel I was putting into my body, I guess. Sure. Um, so those were some of the biggest changes that I made. Now, when when you were doing these lifestyle changes, was there any type of pushback or or um, you know the oncologist saying, "Well, I'm looking at the, the nutrients that you're taking. I don't want I don't want you to take uh, whatever it is because that nutrient may counteract or or negate the chemotherapy yeah. that we're giving you." Yep. So I had, um, my, my doctor, when I first had the surgery, um, some of you will know just that, um, anesthesia itself will um, make you constipated. Any, any pharmaceuticals can constipate you. And when you're getting it at that kind of a dosage, whether it's anesthesia or chemotherapy, it can constipate you. So while I was in the hospital, they weren't going to let me go home until, and I apologize if this is too much information, <laughs> they weren't going to let me go home until I pooped. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, well, I wasn't going and I wasn't going. And it was day seven and I was used to taking a probiotic. Yeah. And when I went into surgery and everything, the doctor said, nope, no supplements, no probiotics, right. none of your vitamins, none of your, none of your shakes, yeah. whatever you're doing, don't do it. Um, and so I didn't. I stopped all of that when I went in for the surgery. And so here it was day seven after my surgery and I was like, I can't go home until I poop and I can't poop unless you let me have my probiotic. And so <laughs> and they were like, well, and so finally the doctor, they did stool softeners. They did, um, they did a uh, depository on me and none of it was working. And so finally he was like, what is your probiotic? So I showed it to him and I said, it's all natural. There's nothing that's going to, will you please yeah. just look at it? 
So he took a look at it, looked at the ingredients, and he goes, oh, like, all right. If you think it'll work, try it. <laughs> so I tried it, and sure enough, the next day, I went. <laughs> so, so he told me after that, he was like, look, he said, um, I, you know, I showed him what I was doing. I showed him that it was basically I was just whole food was my regimen. Yeah. And so um, and he looked at it all, and he, he was pretty great. Um, he said, my bottom line, Kim, is that he's like, I don't know what this is. So he said, I can't tell you yes, but he said, but I won't tell you no. Yeah. And so I was like, I appreciated that. He basically left. That's that's good. Yeah. 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 I don't know that that's always the case. Um, It's not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most oncologists that, that I deal with, they're always they're always starting with no, you know. They're always starting with you know it, everything that you're showing me is is guilty until proven innocent, right. and, uh, and and that's that's an unfortunate thing. And you know, and, and some sometimes I do agree with what they're saying because there is some type sure. of counter counter uh, reactions with nutrients and drugs. But most of the times, there it's it's the opposite way around, where the the drug is causing a nutrient interaction or depletion, um, and and that's the thing. And 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 when you're dealing with with cases of you know with cancers and uh, other debilitating uh, degenerative diseases, it, there's another aspect of malpractice and all of that kind of stuff that. They don't want to be diving into, so you know I, I don't blame a, a lot of the the medical doctors for for erring on the side of caution there. Yep. Now, so you've you've you said you've had four four sessions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So after the four sessions are done, what what do they recommend and 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 uh, what? So then? after the four sessions, I had a um, a clean bill of health, and this is something else I love telling people because. They were pretty astounded by this as well. Yeah. So every three months I have to go back in and they have to run blood work, uh-huh. check my CA125 count, which sure. is a uh, marker they look for to see if you're potentially, if the cancer's coming back. Um, so they do the blood tests, they do the CT scans um, every three months. So after chemotherapy, typically a person's CA125 count is at its lowest because the chemo has killed anything foreign that is that was in your body right is gone. right so ca 125 count is typically at its lowest so for me as long as your count is between one and 30 that's in the normal range so after my chemo my my number was 15 which is really great okay and he said now just be ready he said when you come back as you get back to normal life and you're living life and you're, you know, eating food and going out and hitting McDonald's or doing what you do. He said, just know that um, this number may go up a little bit, but as long as it's under 30, you're fine. And he said, don't panic if it goes up a little bit. It's totally normal. So I said, okay, great. So then three months later, I go back in and my CA-125 count continued to drop. Mm. And so... I, it was, I think it went from 15, then it was like 12, and then it was like nine. And then three months after that, it was like eight. And so I, I, he was like, well, you're a rock star. He's like, you're just a pinnacle of health. And I was so excited because that was very rare. Then the holidays came. And at the holidays, I decided, you know what? I'm going to eat pie and I'm going to have ice cream and I'm going to do what I want to do. 
And so I went in for my CA125 count after it was in January and it had jumped up to 18. Oh, wow. So, and so I panicked and I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why did it jump up? And he said, Ken, it's normal. It's still in the normal range. And he goes, I don't know. What have you been doing the last couple months? And I was like, <laughs> eating a bunch of crap. <laughs> and he said, well, there you go. So it really just showed me what you put in your body. Sure. It, you know, yeah. it's like I, I'm getting blood work every three months. And that was the, the big difference was that I had just been eating pretty poorly because it was the holidays and I wasn't really washing myself. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of a eye opener for me. So you've gone through all of that. And then now, uh, like, so are you still getting three month checkups? Nope. So I just graduated from my three month and I am now, I am two years in remission and I now have graduated to every six months. So for the next three years, um, I will continue to go in every six months and they will check. Um, and then once I hit the five year mark, they give me a mortality rate of 98%. Wow. So that is, I, I am, I live life every day thinking it could come back. And so I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to live it to the fullest, but I'm going to take care of it as best I can. And, um, and that by the same token, I'm I'm just kind of I'm waiting for that five year mark when I <laughs> when I when they tell yeah, me that yeah, I'm yeah. yeah. So what what's the numbers been like uh, on these subsequent six six month uh, checkups? Um, really good. Yeah, I've I have stayed completely. I think they after that my holiday debacle, my numbers went back down. So I think my last one was back down to thirteen, which is very good. Um. Yeah, everything's good. I've maintained my weight well. Um, my hair, my hair has grown back. That was another thing they were really amazed by was that typically after chemotherapy, um, people's hair will come back in a different color. Mm, yes. Or, yeah. Or a different um, even consistency. You mm -hmm. know, it'll yeah. be curlier. Yeah. And um, mine, mine didn't. Mine has come in. It grows like a weed, and it has <laughs> same exact color and thickness and everything as it was before my cancer. So they were really amazed by that because that's very rare. Yeah. Um, so again, I just, I like to think it's because I'm taking pretty good care of myself and I really do. I try to limit, um, uh, anything that's not natural. Yeah. You know? Now, as, as we kind of wrap this up, um, what would be, your words to somebody who's going through the same situation that that you're that you went through what would be you know your advice and you know your <laughs> your guidance through the process right well the first thing i would tell anybody who goes through that um is your attitude is about 80% of it i believe um i think if you take it as a death sentence um you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. I, you have to take that diagnosis and you have to see it as a challenge. And you have to see it as, you know, uh, it, it's a challenge to um, overcome. Yeah. And to come out better, better than you were before. Um, it's a wake up call. It's a gift, really. Um, so attitude first, um, obviously the... Um, making a choice. You have to choose to take care of your body. It's just, 
it's not always it's not always easy. Um, it's certainly that society makes it really easy to eat bad food quick and cheap. And so I know to be healthy, it it sometimes it's expensive to eat healthy. Um, but you but it's a choice. What's really expensive is cancer. So yeah. um, that's that's another thing I would tell somebody with that diagnosis is do what you need to do um, for your health aspect of it. And then the other thing I, I guess is reach out to, there, there's a lot of support out there. There's a lot of support groups. Um, there's people really, people will rally around you. There's something about cancer. People rally around you and everybody wants to help you. And um, don't, don't be the hero. Let people help. Um, let people help you. Cause it's yeah. a hard thing to go through. Um, especially alone. I'm, I mean, I'm not married. I didn't have kids. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm so grateful for the community of um, friends and family and just support groups that there were that kind of walked with me through it. So I would say, reach out to those people, let them help. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you've summed it up right, right there. And especially the support groups, you know, I see people, um, and, and this can also, by the way, this can also work in a negative aspect too, because I see sometimes that families can also be a hindrance on a, in, in their, in their quest to be supportive. Yeah. You know, um, so within that is making sure, you know, like, like Kim was saying that the attitude should always be towards healing, towards health, um, towards positivity, rather than your support group being this, oh my gosh, I'm worried about you dying. You right. know, that's, that's the common thing that, that I see with patients coming in, their family is just like, their, their, their talk and their speech is always about, oh my gosh, I don't want so-and-so to die. I don't, and I'm like, okay, let's just focus on living one day at a time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's just focus on the positive aspect rather than the negative yeah. aspect, you know, even if they're going through chemotherapy or radiation, let's just focus on the healing benefits of that rather than, well, I'm going through this. I feel like, you know, death and, you know, it's killing my body. You know, let, let, let's switch that mindset, you know, and you're absolutely right. That's like 80% of the battle right there is that mindset, yep, you know, right. surrounding that. So any last words you want to leave with, leave with the audience? Before we wrap this up, you know, uh, I guess I would I would say that um, there's a, there's a real cancer is not a death sentence so yeah. much anymore. Yes, uh, yes. And I think I believe that yes, that we are people are surviving cancer more now because certainly there are medical strides that have been made, absolutely. But I think it's also because nowadays I think there's this whole thing about being a survivor. And so when someone gets that diagnosis, um, there really is, people are seeking out holistic approaches to health. And I think that has a big part of why people are surviving it more mm -hmm. or living longer, at least, than they yes. used to. Um, because there has been a real awakening toward um, there has to be a symbiotic relationship between medicine and and. Uh, the holistic approach, whether that's, uh, you know, supplements and vitamins and chiropractic care and whatever it is, there needs to be that balance. And so I guess I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of be a part of that and to be able to kind of share that 
with people. Um, that there's there are lots of options out there. Find the balance that works for you, um, and then survive. There you have it, guys. Find that balance and survive. Kim, thank you so much for your time and for exactly. and for your your energy and, and your mindset of wanting to survive. Because you know your story just adds another uh, another part in in the in the cogwheel of, of allowing people to live. You know, giving them that hope, and and hope is one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that a lot of people lose. Yeah. And and what I see in patients when if they have hope, they move forward. If they don't, they regress, you know? And so we thank you for that. And thank you for sharing that with our audience. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. 